You know you're getting older when everything hurts and when and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. The gleam in your eyes is from the sun hitting your bifocals. You feel like the morning after and you haven't been anywhere. You get winded playing chess. Your mind makes contracts your body can't keep. You're turning out lights for economic rather than romantic reasons. Your back goes out more than you do. And a fortune teller offers to read your face. (laughs) Are any among you suffering? James asks. They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. When I was in school and met someone who knew exactly what he wanted to do with his education and career, I thought, boy, he has it all together. When I started working and saw someone get a job she really wanted and do well, I thought, boy, she has it all together. And after 17 years in ministry, I could be wrong and don't take this personally, but I'm pretty sure that none of us has it all together. When James asks the persecuted Christian community whether any of them are suffering, that's an understatement. You know, it's kind of like the kids might say, duh, these days. All of them were suffering. All of them were suffering oppression and persecution simply by being Christian, not to mention the other normal parts of life, the suffering that we continue to deal with today, broken dreams, a broken body, a broken heart, regret, grief. You get the picture. And it's not that we never have good days or that we are hypocritical when we are cheerful and thankful for what we have, but all of us knows some form of suffering. We should pray, James says. How simple. It's a basic response for people of faith. Feeling uncertain, unable, weak, in pain, talk to God about it. And yet, in this letter, there is an invitation, not just for us as individuals to pray, but the invitation is to the Christian community. When we are sick with a fever, with a broken leg, or a broken heart, we should invite the faithful ones in the church to pray for us, and even anoint us with oil in Jesus' name. We are much more than our individual selves. And rarely can we heal ourselves. Murray Bowen was a psychiatrist working out of Washington, D.C. several decades ago. He egotistically called his theory Bowen, family family systems theory. That's probably egotistically based on some of the people who weren't impressed. But 
Um, one premise of this family systems theory is that each of us is the result not just of our genetic nature, nor our family's nurture, or even that combination of nature and nurture. It's also the result of the nature and nurture and situations in our families of origin for the last five generations. As Dr. Larry Matthews describes it, even when we get to know each other pretty well, all we experience of another person is the tip of the iceberg. Have you seen these long-distance pictures of icebergs, and there's just a section of it above the water, and then the, most of it, 80 or 90%, is down below the water? That's sort of how we are as people. When you see me on the surface, you might notice pale skin, blue eyes, brown hair, about five and a half feet tall. You might be able to look at me and tell that I'm having a good day or a bad day, but most of me is hidden from view and from knowledge. Much of me is hidden even from me, and some is even hidden from my mom. All that to say, yes, we are suffering. We are suffering from mistakes or pains in our own life, but we also are suffering from the depression or the alcoholism or the shame that affected the generations before us. We are in need of healing. James doesn't feel like he has to make us understand the direct correlation between sin and sickness to the people who read his words or heard his words for the first time they would have known already. For the first and second century Christians, sickness or mental illness or disability was caused by sin. And so that's why we see in John's Gospel, chapter 9, the story of Jesus when he and his disciples are going along and they encounter a blind man. And the disciples ask him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should have been born blind? And Jesus responded, neither this man nor his parents sinned. And yet, Jesus was able to bring about healing. He still needed healing. And so you can picture Jesus in front of this blind man, and this is one of the slightly disgusting stories in the New Testament, where Jesus spits on the ground and makes some mud with his saliva and puts it on the man's eyes. And then he tells him to wash in the pool of Siloam. How did the man get to the pool of Siloam? Did he have a guide dog? Did he have a a cane and tap his way over? Was it close enough that he could have done that? You know, my guess is that someone helped him. Whether it was a family member or whether it was a friend or whether it was someone who just simply felt compassion for him, someone helped him to the pool. John tells us that the man went and washed and came home seeing. He came home healed. But he didn't 
do that alone. He didn't heal himself. Are any among you suffering, James asks? They should pray. And then a bit later he says, the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Do you see how he ties this together? Healing and forgiveness are tied together, body, mind, spirit. And then he continues, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. This past Tuesday night, Jews around the world began their celebration called Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. When they confess their sins and they begin a new year cleansed and renewed. The Atlantic.com posted an article about it on Tuesday, noting that, in preparation, noting that Jews would be confessing their sins in a set of two prayers the Ashamnu and the Alchet. And one thing stands out about the words of these prayers the sentences are all in the first person plural. That is to say, we. We in sign language. For example, the Ashamnu is a list of it's a list of sins in alphabetical order. It's alphabetical in Hebrew, not in English, and it begins, We have been guilty. We have betrayed. We have stolen. We have lied. And twenty-two more. And perhaps you have not stolen or lied, but it's no matter because someone in your community has. And in Judaism, confessions are a communal act. A sin by an individual is the responsibility of the whole. And this was James's understanding of, of sin as well, and that's why he admonishes us to confess our sins to each other. Someone said, as people grow older, they generally become more quiet, but of course they have more to keep quiet about. What would happen if you had someone you could trust with all of your secrets? Part of the work of Bowen Family Systems Theory is to ask enough questions of your family especially your extended family, that you discover some of those secrets. Some say that some secrets need to remain secret. But some family secrets bind us and make us unnecessarily anxious. A pregnancy out of wedlock, an abortion, sexual abuse, suicide, To finally speak that sort of confession can be like throwing open a window in a stuffy and dark room. It can change the outlook of everything. And in a true Christian community, it will be an opportunity not for shunning, but for embrace and for compassion and for healing. We cannot be healed by ourselves. In the movie Cold Comfort Farm that came out in the mid-1990s, 
A young woman from London named Flora learns of the death of her parents, and she goes to Cold Comfort Farm to live with relatives who are highly dysfunctional. The matriarch's name is Aunt Ada Doom. She keeps to herself in her room, has all her meals brought to her there, and comes out only for the counting to make sure that everything is as it has been. No one has changed. Because only with this status quo is she comfortable. Aunt Ada Doom maintains the sympathy of the community by continuing to say, I saw something nasty in the woodshed. And it was when she was young. And so this this secret has bound her for all these years, and she has used it then to bind her family and the other people who work at Cold Comfort Farm. When Flora arrives from London, she begins asking questions about why things are the way they are. Why does Aunt Ada Doom stay in her room? Why does she t- get her, the meals taken to her there? Why does no one ever see her except for the times of the counting? And as Flora begins asking questions, the people on the farm begin wondering as well. Well, why do we do things this particular way? And then they start to look at other possibilities, and, and Flora brings in some of these other possibilities. And eventually, Flora, after bringing magazines from London and placing them on her tray outside her room, she begins to work her way in to actually seeing Aunt Ada Doom and actually talking with her. And Aunt Ada Doom tells her again, I saw something nasty in the woodshed. And Flora presses her, what was it? And she can't remember. She can't remember what it was that has bound her and her family and these people for for decades. And so once that secret comes out, once it's been passed along and shared, then amazing things begin to happen. Therefore, James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We cannot be healed by ourselves. Too often we think we can. I can deal with that. It's not that bad. I've been dealing with it for decades, and it's not that big of a deal. But what, what if it is? What is it then that binds you? What is the nasty thing that you saw in the woodshed? What is it in your family that that keeps you tethered. And then consider what it would be like to share that with a friend. What would break open for you? 
We cannot be healed by ourselves. Let's pray for one another. We recognize you, Lord God, as the one with the power, the power to break free, to help us break free from the suffering that binds us. We pray for courage. We pray for strength. We pray for wisdom. And we pray for vulnerability. Help us as a Christian community to help each other and to bring your healing into this community of faith and into our broader community of the Roanoke Valley. Help us to be the kind of people that people would, other people would share their burdens with so that we can offer them love and compassion and strength and hope. Thank you, Holy God, for being our hope. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.